Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Bounce Off, the number one slam ball podcast worldwide. I am your host Sam Roberts and today we are doing our 2023 season preview for the Ozone. They're out of this world, hopefully. Um, I don't know, I don't know if they're going to be out of this world. I think they could be full of high-flying action, but that's how the league's designed. Interestingly, I think that the Ozone are going to keep other teams grounded with defence. And we'll get into that in just a second. If you haven't seen all of our other team previews, there's a playlist on YouTube or you can scroll back through your podcasting app and find previews on the Mob, on the Lava, on the Griffins, on who am I forgetting, who am I forgetting, the Buzzsaw. That's great that the Buzzsaw, the last team I mentioned, because we also have an interview up with their head coach, Coach Hernando Planels Jr. You can either watch that on YouTube or you can listen to that on podcast apps as well. And there's going to be clips from that coming to my personal Instagram, my personal Twitter and my personal uh TikTok under at Quantum Roberts, Q-U-A-N-T-U-M Roberts. So if you want to stay up to date with, with my ongoing thoughts, including as I'm recording this, they've just announced some of the player numbers for slam ball players. Uh, and I've been saying a lot about that on Twitter because in realizing that there's some other interesting things that you find out going through the uh, the player profiles, including some players who are listed as one name, but the URL is for a different player name. What could it mean? It basically means that someone's not in the league anymore. But you can see me talk about those sorts of things on Twitter. That's where I'm going to be posting a lot of thoughts about Slam Ball. Reach me there. But today, a lot of thoughts are going to be about the Ozone, and we start with their first round pick, seventh overall, Brian Bell Anderson. He is the youngest player in the league by about a year and a half or so. He is 22 years old from Sarasota, Florida. He is 5 foot 10, 180 pounds and a handler. He is also the son of the Ozone head coach. So there are questions to be asked just automatically about how good is this guy versus how likely is it that he was drafted by his father on Father's Day as part of Slam Ball's ongoing documentary series. It'll be a very nice story in the documentary. Um, but is he good enough to have been drafted first first round? He's definitely good. He is definitely a good player. But just being the youngest, being smaller than a lot of players on the league. And yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it. What I do know is something that I've learned in the last couple of days is that Slam Ball, when it was announced it was coming back and when they were doing training sessions, they started with a thing called the Super 24 24 specifically curated athletes who were brought in and had two weeks of training before another two groups of 24 were brought into the mix and they were given two weeks to uh, to get ready for the draft. And Brian Bell Anderson was part of that initial group of 24. I'm hoping to get like an itemized list of everyone that was involved and then we can talk about that later. But he was one of the people that was brought in early on and got some, I don't know if you'd count it as additional training or, or just additional coaching and how to be good at slam ball. And there's every chance that what he did as a college football athlete, plus that additional training, has meant that he's excelled to the level of a seventh overall first round draft pick. Either way, I'm very excited to see him play. Now, I mentioned there he was a college football player. He played for Columbia University and in three seasons as a defensive back, he made 54 tackles and one interception. Those seem like decent numbers. Some players, when you get to pro leagues, slightly higher up, um, levels of, of pro football, including someone we'll talk about a little bit later on, are getting those numbers in one season, and he's doing it over three. 
Again, college football and football in general is more of a blind spot for me. 54 tackles, by the looks of things, seems like a decent number. I'm more interested in what the highlights tell us. The highlights for uh, for Brian Bell Anderson come from his high school time. They don't necessarily come from his time in college. But what we can see from his high school highlight tape is a couple of different things to do with agility and movement. So first of all, he automatically spins around defenders when they try to make tackles. That's going to be good in the open floor for slam ball. As soon as you dribble the ball once, opposition players can try and make a hit on you. If you're able to spin adeptly out of the way of them, that's a really good tool to have in your wheelhouse. When he goes for tackles, he goes low to the ground and he tries to hit players below like the waist, which is, as someone who played rugby, screams to me that's like a rugby style of tackling. Because in slam ball you're not tackling per se, you are hitting in more of an American football sense versus a rugby sense. You're not trying to take the guy to the ground, you're just trying to body him against the wall. I don't know how that's going to fare for him. I think it shows that he's not afraid of contact, he's not afraid to mix it up. But we also heard from uh, Coach Planells that diving on the loose balls isn't going to be part of the season. Um, if you want to hear more insight into the 2023 season, go and listen to that interview with Coach Planells. But he sort of mentioned that diving on loose balls, not going to be part of the 2023 season, not going to be part of the rulebook. And the diving lower against legs, happily diving, going after balls low to the ground, might have served Bell Anderson well in high school football might not be a thing for slam ball. But that being said, it still shows a willingness to take contact. He's got really good lateral quickness, both around attempting uh, like defensive blockers or offensive blockers who try to stop him from making a tackle, and also on the offensive end. Sorry, sorry. Also in front of the offense. So really good movement to get around blockers who are stationary, but also really good movement to keep up with offensive players who can just run straight or run at an angle and he's got to sort of move his body laterally. That's a very difficult skill to manage unless you're a high-level athlete and this is something that he does really well. That was something that I was immediately aware of. His speed and spatial awareness and to an extent timing, when you're looking at the highlight mixtape, they seem slightly undervalued. Like it's not something you're necessarily looking for unless you're hyper-analyzing what you're doing. For example, if a player breaks from his defensive line, running back, wide receiver, and they get around his teammates, Anderson's got a way of, Bell Anderson's got a way of, of running a route that puts him perfectly in place to make the tackle before they can make a touchdown and not just chasing after the ball. So he goes at a specific angle so that he can get into the, the way of the offensive player and make a tackle that would solve or save a score without necessarily just chasing after the ball. It's it's a very deliberate strategy he's got. And um, I like that. I think that shows an awareness of court and, and positioning on, on the field. Will that translate slam ball court? We can only assume, we can only hope. Part of that as well, because of the situational knowledge and understanding, he's also trusted a lot of times to be the last defender. So player breaks from his line. He's the guy who's making tackle. Again, as, as a rugby analysis, it's it's fullback. You've got a fullback there. And he's trusted to do that. He's playing handler. And my immediate question for anyone playing handler is how do they distribute the ball? His distribution ability is unknown. He does not show it in slam ball highlights that he's putting on Instagram. He was not a quarterback. I can't find any evidence that he was a high school point guard. Um, I don't know how he can distribute the ball. And that concerns me when he is a handler. What his slam ball videos do show 
is that when he's going to the rim, he gets a lot of height and he gets a lot of torque. And by torque, I mean when he hits the rim, he's able to twist his body a lot and, and maintain that pressure <clears throat> on the rim. And I think that'll be really hard to block. Just There's something about seeing the way he's hitting the rim for dunks that makes you think, right, that might be a challenge defensively to deal with. If he breaks through a, a stopper's arms, that's going to be a challenge. So that's Brian Bell Anderson. That's their first round pick. I don't have many more stats to talk to you about. Good at tackling. Will be a defensive guy. Um, don't know about his distribution. Is going to be fine at scoring. With a handler, they're not always running to the basket, but what they are doing is if they get an opportunity, they're charging at the stopper if they're not paying attention. If they're too worried about the other gunners, they can charge. And Bell Anderson could could do some damage there. But I think defensive pressure, defensive presence, that's the first person we're mentioning that could be a defensive threat. The Ozone's second round pick was Keith McGee, uh, 25 years old from Rochester, New York, 6 foot 3, 187 pounds, and another handler. So they took two handlers in a row. What does that say about Brian Bell Anderson? Does that just say that Keith McGee was really highly rated and was the best player available? We don't know. We will see on the court. Do I think they're going to play with two handlers? I don't. I think this team's going to play a standard um, stopper, handler, two gunners, a 1-1-2 formation. But um, I still think Keith McGee is going to be part of that starting lineup as a gunner rather than as a handler because I think he can do both. Why am I saying that I think Keith McGee can be gunner as well as handler? Well, in high school... He got the most dunks ever in Arcadia High School history. He won MVP honours and he was all great at Rochester area first team. He has an understanding when you look at highlights of him in slam ball, the, the clips he's posting on social media. How to use the trampolines to get separation from the stopper by slowing his approach to the rim and dribbling the ball off the trampolines in order to get a better look at the hoop, right? That, combined with good speed and manoeuvring in the air on face-off clips that you see, um, I just think he's going to be able to punish stoppers by being a gunner that just runs to the hoop, can receive a pass and, and make a play. He's also not bad from distance. He regularly contributed throughout his time at college at Morgan State. His minutes increased over his time there, and as his minutes increased, his stats increased. He didn't get like huge, huge, huge numbers, but there was always an improvement as the numbers went up. So in his final year, he was doing 9 points per game, 1 assist per game, 1.1 steals, and 1.5 rebounds in 19.8 minutes per game. So he's not doing blow-away numbers, but he's that has been a, a consistent. When he was getting, say, 15 minutes per game, he was making 7 points per game. There is a progression over time, but also a steadiness there. And I think that's useful for, for this team, that if you're maybe not able to get scoring going, if something's not happening, Keith McGee will hopefully be able to give you, let's say, nine points per game, three dunks or three shots from distance. That's really nice. He averaged 45% from the field and 37% from three over his entire college career. Those are decent shooting numbers, and it's not as if sometimes we'll talk about players who say have 37%, and that's because they made three of 11 shots over their four years at college. He is is taking a reasonable number of shots, and... That means it's not small sample size. So we can trust the 37% from three as being a relatively consistent number. That's good spacing. That's good outside shooting. He's got confidence taking those shots, both catch and shoot. So he receives the ball and shoots straight away, but also off his own dribble, ability to create for himself, ability to create 
off the dribble from distance. That is both, those are those are good attributes to have. Again, if you're low in the shot clock, if you pass it out to him, he can take a shot straight away. Or if you're low in the shot clock and they know he's going to take that shot attempt and there's a block attempt on him, McGee can sort of dribble around the defender and get a shot off, no problem. He's got really impressive leaping ability. Again, most dunks in his high school's history. Um, and I think that that's, as we have seen from highlights of, of players I've talked about previously who maybe have demonstrably high leaping ability, whether they be world record holders or the 40-inch vertical leap, it does translate to trampolines in terms of getting height. So that that's an exciting prospect with, with Keith McGee. He's got really good transition speed getting up the floor, throwing the ball ahead of him and long strides. By that, I meaning if he, if he gets his own rebound in his own defensive half, he's making his way up the court. He's able to do that with a lot of pace. He's able to throw the ball ahead of him and catch up with it. That is going to be really good for attacking trampolines in transition. If he's able to get a pass from his own stopper, which is sort of the ideal scenario, is to have a stopper make a block, it goes out to the handler who immediately gives it to the gunner. As I say, I think in this case, Keith McGee could be a gunner. Um, if he just throws the ball ahead of him one bounce and then catches it on the run going into the trampoline, that's a lot of pressure to put on a defending stopper. And I think that'll be that's a really good thing to see from Keith McGee. So that's why I think gunner for him. But again, he, he's listed as a handler. He's smaller uh, weight-wise than some of the other gunners in the league. It wouldn't surprise me if... Um, if he plays Gunner, though, and I think he could be really good at that position. You have some guys who'll do both. Third round pick for the Ozone, Vincent Bowman, 27 years old, from McMinnville, Oregon. McMinnville? McMinnville. McMinnville. Oregon. Six foot nine, tallest player in the league. 285 pounds, heaviest player in the league. He is playing stopper, unsurprisingly. And my first thing, apologies to Greg Hill on the lava, who I called the heaviest player, the biggest player in the league at 6'6 six, six and 250. I was wrong. Um, still a big boy, and I'm excited to see him play, but he's not the biggest, it's Vincent Bowman. Okay. Vincent Bowman, what can we say about him? He is a legit international centre. He has played centre in a number of countries, and in basketball terms, that means he's a big guy, he's a physical guy. He went to Western Oregon University for his senior year, which was 2018, where he averaged 10.4 points per game, 1.3 assists again from a big man position, and 5.4 rebounds per game. Not as high as you'd maybe want it to be for a guy who's who's playing big, but it's still a reasonable number. 63% shooting from the field, that's inside two-point range, highest in school history, very consistent. He did not take a single three-point shot during that entire year. Um, what does that say initially to me about his prospects in slam ball? Um, he's not shooting from outside, so he's not spraying the floor. He's not able to shoot inside because in slam ball, there is nowhere to stand inside. Um, there is only like a couple of inches away from the, the trampolines. Um, and when you're on the trampolines, you're in the air. I don't know if that shot's going to translate. Uh, and the only place you can stand is the island where historically you're not allowed to shoot from. We'll find out if those are still the rules, but I assume you're still not allowed to shoot from the island, which basically means unless he's taking a fadeaway from there, he's not going to be making a lot of baskets. And you don't necessarily want him coming up and being part of the offense unless it's to run straight at the hooping gun. That being said, I want to talk about the rest of his basketball stats because I think Bowman might be the most accomplished pro basketball player that we've talked about thus far for this season. Again, a legit centre internationally. He played for Erubuni, 
Yerevan in Armenia in the 1920 season where he did 22 points per game. 22.2 points per game, I should say. 16.2 rebounds per game. Huge number. 2.2 assists from the centre position. 65.1% from two and 58% from free throw in five games. Um, Again, the shooting numbers, I'm not so sure about because he's not going to get any distance. But I just want to go through these numbers because it shows that he's a good basketball player. He's got some touch and maybe he'll be able to hit more threes now that it's, it's got to be a bigger part of his game. In 2022, he played for the Salem Capitals of the Basketball League, where he went for 23.4 points per game, 10.6 rebounds per game. Again, that's double digits in both those categories is an impressive number, right? 2.8 assists per game, 65, 62.5% from two, 43.8% from three. Still wasn't taking very many, but that's at least when he is taking them, he's making them. Good sign. And 60.1% from free throw. And then finally... Mazatian in Mexico for the 2023 season, 14.6 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists per game, 59.5% for the field. He's improved as he's gone overseas. Maybe Mexico is a harder league. We don't know. The numbers decrease there, but they're still reasonably high. Like thinking in the UK, in our pro basketball scene, if you're averaging those numbers, that's a really good season. That's an all-star season getting 14, 15 and 7, 15 and 8 is, is a good year. Um, so Mexico might just be a little bit harder than the basketball league in Armenia, but those are all still really good numbers. One of the things that's said about him, uh, well, one of the things that you notice when you look at the Mexico stats, though, is that that three-point percentage that I was excited about in the basketball league, it plummets in Mexico. So he goes from shooting 43.8% to all of a sudden he only hits one out of seven shots. And that's not one out of every seven, that's he took seven shots and made one, so again, small sample size. But... I'm not excited about him as a spreading the floor option. I'm excited about him defensively. Again, he's the heaviest guy in the league. He's playing stopper. And we'll talk about something else that makes him a danger defensively in a moment. A good danger, not a liability. A danger defensively in a moment. But I don't like his ability to spread the floor, create confusion offensively. I think all he's going to be able to do is be handed the ball, jump into the trampoline and go one-on-one with the stopper. If you look at historic game footage, that can be really useful. If the opposition stopper is able to make a a lot of big plays, I will specifically recommend one of my favourite games to go back and rewatch. It's game three from season one, as it is listed on the uh, playlist on the Slam Ball YouTube channel. But it's the Rumble and Dion Mays versus the Bouncers and Rob Wilson, because Mays spends the first half of the game making every single stop he can, as my headphones get messed up everything will stop he can he's basically going for the record no one can get past him the rumble are doing really well defensively and then the second half what do they do they basically throw rob wilson at him they throw their own stopper their own big guy and just basically say go at him offensively and make his life difficult show him some physicality and i think bowman presents that as an option for the ozone but i don't like his ability offensively outside of that i just don't know how it's going to come He did get assists in his time playing pro from drawing a defender's attention. But again, there's not the same... There is way more movement around the basket in slam ball than there is in pro basketball. Because of the trampolines, you've got a 3D axis to work on. You can go left, right, you can go up, forward, back, and you can go up and down. There's there's a lot more movement. But it's not the kind of movement that a traditional centre will be used to. And so I don't think his assist numbers are going to translate well. 
What I will say, again, defensively, his blocking numbers, when you look at the highlights, it's not raw athleticism. It's not based on strength. It's not based on power. He's not going straight up and down with guys trying to score and swatting the ball back at them, like just bashing it away. What he is doing is players are driving on him. He's waiting till the perfect moment, and then he's striking with a flick of the wrist and making a block. That shows impeccable defensive timing, and that's something I want to see from a stopper. If he can combine that skill, his size, with an understanding of how to use the trampolines, I think he's going to be a big threat from stopper. I think defensively, there's not going to be many better players. I hesitate to say he's a potential all-star, mostly because I do that for every stopper we talk about, but also because defensively he's going to be a juggernaut, and if there's a defensive player of the year, he could win that. I just don't think he's going to score enough offensively, but I do think he's going to start. His touch around the basket is traditional big, and that could be good for adjusting around defensive stoppers, again, in the air, making him move around them, but I I sense that his game's just not going to translate the way you maybe want it to, to slam ball, because it's it's not designed for a standard basketball centre. Defensively, yes, but I'm not sure. He also played rugby, professional rugby, for... One season with the Colorado XOs. Now, he'd never played rugby before. This was the first time he played. If you're playing professional rugby, you get used to contact and low tackles. So he's unafraid of contact. Not only is he unafraid of contact, in an interview for the team as part of the Colorado XOs YouTube channel, this is a direct quote from Vincent Bowman that makes me so excited for him as a stopper. Um, Before I read the quote... One thing that Coach Planell said to me in the interview that you should go and watch right now is that in order to have a good stopper, you need a guy who is willing to play the stopper position, willing to get physical, willing to get hit 40, 50 times a night and make some stops and and miss some stops, right? This is what Vincent Bowman had to say about his time playing rugby. I liked the physical part. In basketball, I was never really able to get to, to be real physical and impose my will completely onto somebody. There's been that's been a new experience for me, and I'm starting to fall in love with it. This dude loves contact. If you're gonna throw 40, 50 bodies at him a night, he's gonna take 40, 50 bodies, he's gonna body them back. Again, on the offensive end, if you've got a stopper who's making a lot of plays on smaller guys, throw the biggest guy in the league at him. Full speed, straight ahead. He doesn't need to dribble the ball. Just run from one end of the court to the other. Have the handler or someone just give him a picture-perfect pass and he's going from trampling straight into the face, straight into the mouth of the uh, opposing stopper. I think that's Vincent Bowman in a nutshell. I think he's going to be a defensive juggernaut and he's going to anchor a really good defensive team. And I think that in terms of scoring, it's going to be a lot of power and aggression either on a stopper that no one can get past on his team or on a stopper that's shown weakness earlier in the game. I think he's just going to be incredible um, defensively. I, and I, as a defensive-minded guy, love it. I don't think that's all-star potential unless he's got ridiculous blocking numbers. Like, if you're, if you're, if his team is holding the opposition regularly, regularly to, like, 30 points or less... Which sounds insane, but like slam ball, traditionally you're getting scores of like 40, 50. Uh, there was a scrimmage game this past week which ended 70 to 49, something like that. That's a big score. That's the biggest score they'd had that day. Um, if their team, if the Ozone can hold a team regularly to under 30, and if 
Bowman is averaging, I'm not saying it's high. If it's high as something like 25 stops, 25 blocks, and he's averaging like strong double digits, let's say like 15, even if his scoring's low, that's potentially all-star, but I, I don't want to put that stamp on him because I don't know how how the league's going to go. Defensive player of the year, sure. Uh, I don't think he can be an all-star if there's only four spots and he's not going to get much scoring. Now, we go to the first true gunner that was signed by the Ozone. In Marcus Gray, 28 years old, from Jeffersonville, Indiana. He's six feet tall, 203 pounds, and he's a gunner. Uh, like a couple of guys in the Slam Ball League, he's a member of the Indiana Pacers in-house dunk team, the Power Pack, uh, like Cam Hollins from the Mob. But he also played uh, semi-professional football, or pro-indoor pro football, I should say, sorry. He spent the 2023 season with the uh, Topeka Tropics football team, and then I think he transferred to the uh, the Beef. I can't remember where they're from, but the Beef indoor football team who ended up winning the championship because there's photos of him in their jerseys. But he spent the majority of the season with the Topeka Tropics. Remember what I was saying earlier about Brian Bell Anderson's tackling numbers, and I don't know how that translates. Well, Marcus Gray led the whole of the Champions Indoor Football League in tackles. He had 70 tackles over eight games, averaging a league high 8.8 tackles per game. So this guy loves going after it on the defensive end, loves charging at offensive players, specifically QBs and making their life difficult, but also taking out any players that are trying to make a run on the football field. So not only do they lead the league in both those categories, and you might be saying, Sam, like, you know, 70 and 8 games definitely is going to lead in terms of total per game. But you sometimes get leagues where a guy plays two games and gets injured, but he gets 10 tackles in both, so he's averaging 10. Or he does 15 and 5, you know. Um, Marcus Gray is highest in averages. He's also highest in total number. Really good. He's more of a tackler than a hitter, which is the same, as I said, for Bell Anderson. He's tackling like it's rugby, going low, taking them out around the waist, grabbing ankles, taking guys to the floor. Excuse me for the burp. And that's really good, but I don't know how that translates to slam ball in terms of just making hits. What I can say is he's unafraid of contact, and that's such a positive thing. That means he's, he's not going to be nervous about taking guys on. Again, one dribble and you can get hit. And uh, this Ozone team, I expect to be fast with hits, just taking out the offensive players. A good offense can sometimes be a good defense, and, and we may see that from the Ozone I don't think I'd be putting them very high on, on a power rankings, which we'll get to uh, on, on opening night. But I, I am taking them as a threat defensively because of things like Marcus Gray and Bell Anderson's tackling ability. So Marcus Gray, most tackles in the Champions Indoor Football League, big fan, unafraid of contact. Again, like Bell Anderson, he's got really quick lateral quickness side to side. Um, he's able to stay in front of offensive players, even perceiving where they're going to go from around blocking players. So people who are just trying to get in his way, he's able to go left, see that they're not going left, immediately dart right and make a tackle. Really, really nice. Good to see that. Good to stay in front of guys who've got the ability to dribble around you on the basketball court and, and in slam ball. He's able to take contact and continue through that to make a play on the ball. There are a couple of highlights you see where two guys try to sandwich him and he just slides right through or he slides underneath an arm of a bigger defender and manages to make a play on the ball or make a tackle, uh, it, it just outright tackle. Really good shaky ability to get around defensive, uh, so offensive blocking, which could serve him well getting around defensive blocking in, in slam ball. Make his way to the trampoline, really good. 
Uh, he also played college ball, college uh, football for the Indiana State Sycamores. His best year was in 2015, where in that whole season he had 75 tackles, either solo or assisted on. He also had two interceptions and deflected five passes. So this guy's just a beast defensively, reading the passing play, uh, making tackles where he needs to, and getting in amongst things. And I think that's that's really good, again, for a team that I think is going to be great when it comes to defense. He played high school basketball for Jeffersonville High School, but he also represented the city of Jeffersonville. He's comfortable shooting threes than he is driving to the basket. More comfortable shooting threes, I should say. But the shot's a bit awkward. He's sort of having to leap forward, which means that I don't like his chances in slam ball. Maybe, maybe of hitting three-point shots, great, fine, good. But we've learned that this season there's going to be a four-point line that is 26 feet away from the basket. It's a little bit harder. I don't think he's going to be able to make that distance. If I'm wrong, wonderful, really happy for you, Marcus Gray. But I just don't think that he's going to be able to hit those shots. Three-point shots, maybe. He might be good for them. Um, but he's not as comfortable with it as other players in the league or even other players on this team. Whatever league it was he was playing in, I think it was like a local rec league. It wasn't like a high caliber, but he was touting his defensive prowess. And again, it's it's really good. He's He's got fast hands, fast lateral quickness, really athletic, really fit guy. Absolutely going to be a problem defensively for other teams. And he shows that on, on a basketball court as well as he does on a football field. Very left-hand dominant when it comes to dribbling. I don't think I saw him dribble with his right hand once in any of the clips he put up. And that's going to be bad for his mobility around the ring, going left or right. I think as a gunner, that's less of a concern. You're kind of just taking spot-up shots or driving to the hoop, getting the ball in the position where it's one dribble and you're into the tramps. So his ability to manoeuvre around the court is less important if you've got a handler that can distribute. But it is slightly call for concern possibly um yeah what i will say about his shooting though he shoots right-handed dribbles left that's weird but when he's shooting floaters they're nice um they're 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 consistent by the looks of things he can go backboard he can go rim uh that's just depends on your skill level and i think that's gonna be nice and that's a good thing to see in terms of Mid-range shooting slam ball is a lot about your ability to time floating the ball down, and that, that'll serve him well. Again, I think he's going to be a problem defensively. He's a little bit small for a gunner, maybe better as a handler, but I don't think that he's able to do that with, his, with, with limitations in dribbling. Maybe he's not a good distributor. I, I don't think he can be handler. So gunner is the place for him because he's going to be physical. He's part of an of a accomplished dunk team, so he's comfortable in the trampolines. I'm just concerned about his spacing. That's going to be a big thing. Uh, but I'm not concerned about his ability at the rim. So if he can't shoot threes, he can score three points on a dunk. That's what matters. The sixth round pick for the Ozone was Laquavius Q. Cotton, 30 years old from Los Angeles, California. Six foot six, 190 pounds, and a gunner. I like this size for gunner. Think he could have been a stopper. Um, sorry, I said sixth round. This is fifth round. Think he could have been a stopper. He's not, and that's fine. But there are reasons that he's going to be the gunner. Uh, and here are the reasons. He worked with NBA 2K23 on their dunk animation. So he's someone that is able to do impressive things in the air. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asked to mocap for a video game to show off all the most impressive dunks imaginable. So... Maneuverability in the air, really good sign for being able to make plays on stoppers that are physical in your face. 
When he was in high school, he was a multi-sport athlete, which we already know is supposed to be a key to being good at slam ball. But it's not just like a couple. He was a basketball player, tennis player, football player, and he did bowling. He also did uh, track and cross country for Eastside High School, right? That is so many different facets of physicality, so many different facets of athleticism, so many different facets of handling the ball, of, of, of understanding space, of making plays, of looking for where defender is or isn't. All really good. In college, he played for Delta State in 2015, where he had 10.9 points per game. He shot 47% from the field and 45% from three. Again, not a small sample size. He shot 42 out of 91 shots from three. That's a good amount. And 45% is a really good number. You assume he's a shooting guard because his assist numbers are garbage, like they're just not good. He's not a guy that's going to make a pass, but he's a guy that's going to score a lot of points. He then played in the NBA G League, which is sort of like the NBA's developmental league for the Oklahoma City Thunder Blue in 2017. Not much to say there, either in terms of stats or in terms of highlights, mostly because the highlights that he has, we're about to talk about them from his time playing in Indonesia. He was in Indonesia in 2022. He played 22 games for Hang Loa. I've almost certainly mispronounced that and I apologise, but... He played 22 games there. His points per game increased to 13.6 points per game, which is higher than they were in college. So he was able to dominate this league more than he was the college ranks. His three-point percentage did drop off a cliff from 45% to 24% as a guy that's looking at that a lot in terms of spacing the floor. Concerning there that it sometimes is a good percentage, sometimes is not. But he was asked to do a lot more in Indonesia. The question is... Was that a lot more because he couldn't shoot the three and so they made that adjustment? Or he was asked to do more so the threes he was taking weren't necessarily comfortable? I'll tell you this much, if you look at his highlight tape, Q Cotton can shoot the three and his shot is nice. And so I think it was more just he was doing a lot more on the court. Uh, if he wasn't making them, he was doing more. Because his, his percentage from the field is the same. He shot 47% in college, he's shooting 48%. In Indonesia. Nice shooting form for both. Really like that. His rebounds also increased hugely. This could be more tenacious. This could be learning the timing better. This could be whatever. It could be he's playing in Indonesia and there's not a huge number of foreign players, so he gets a height advantage. He's tall. He also might be the longest player in the league. His reach looks crazy. His arms are super long. His legs are super long. He went from 3.6 rebounds per game in college all of a sudden to 7.1 rebounds per game in pros in Indonesia. That's almost double the amount. Literally almost double. Um, that's crazy. That's a good sign. And one of the things you see from highlights is that he follows his own shot. So timing for that is good. Slam ball, that's sometimes important. If you if you hit rim and it doesn't go the way you want it, but you're able to bounce back up and make a play, really good idea. Really good thing. Defensively, he's nice as well, um, primarily in terms of using his length to get chased down defense. So player gets gets up the court, he's managed to run after them, which is, again, good speeds on the run uh, on a basketball court. And he's able to block their shot coming from further up the court and having to catch up with the guy. The problem is I don't think that's going to translate well to slam ball. Um, the speed is absolutely maneuverability, absolutely great. Um but you can't jump into a player. And when you're making a block running back on defense, inherently you're jumping forwards to try and hit the ball. And you can't do that in slam ball because if you make any sort of contact, it's going to be face off. And you only get three fouls. Or at least you used to only get three fouls. So 
I don't know how that's going to translate, but it's nice to see just from an athleticism standpoint. He is shifty with his dribble. He's comfortable with it. He can distribute in the air in terms of passing out of, out of like he's in the air, he passes out of it. Good at knowing where the open man is. Good at manoeuvring around the court with his dribble. But uh, again, the assist numbers aren't something that wows me. And so I think that's going to be situational, but it's a good sign for, for playing slam ball. He also played pro in France and Canada. But the thing that makes him an excellent gunner, the thing that I like a lot, he was the 2015 NCAA dunk champion. So of all the college players, some were invited to go and have a dunk off so you could do the most impressive dunks. He won. He also won the Indonesian Basketball League dunk championship in 2020 when he was there earlier on in his career. And he used to be scorpion of the Harlem Globetrotters where he what? Do the Hulk, Hulk Hogan where he was good at dunking. This guy is going to run at the basket as a gunner. He's going to destroy some stoppers. And this guy, I think, could be a massive offensive weapon for the Ozone. How he ended up this low down on the draft is interesting, especially because you then asked that question I asked before of who's going to be your starting handler. Is it going to be Brian Bell Anderson? Is it going to be Keith McGee? Are you going to have Keith McGee as a gunner? Well, if you have Keith McGee as a gunner, you don't have Q Cotton on the floor as a starting gunner. Is this guy going to come off the bench? Probably. And I really like Q Cotton. I really, really like Q Cotton. Maybe that's just because the sample size is bigger than other people. But I really like him. I don't know why he'd come off the bench, but it looks like he's going to come off the bench. Not only that, I don't think he's going to be their fifth man. I don't think he's going to be their go-to sub. And I'll get to why with our next two entries. Next up, Keenan Love, 32 years old from Kankakee. Illinois. I've almost definitely got that wrong. Kankani. Kankaki. Kankaki. Six foot three, 200 pounds. Stopper. This is your second stopper on the team. Fully embracing the sport. He has changed his personal Instagram handle to Slamball Tarzan. I love it. I love just the aggression. It's going to be sick. He's a personal trainer by trade, but he does seemingly, supposedly played both football and ran track. The only thing I can find about that on his socials is playing for the Warriors in the Royal Football League in 2017, where they won the championship. Wonderful for him. When you look at the highlights he's got on Instagram from Slamball, and he's got a lot. This guy is dedicated to the sport, and that really excites me. I like guys who are embracing it. But that's all I can look at from this guy. I've not got stats from playing football. I've not got stats from running track. Haven't been able to find them. Apologies. But if you look at the highlights that he's got on his Instagram, he gets crazy height going into the front tramp offensively. That's going to be hard for stoppers. Even if they're able to like disrupt him and stop him from dunking, stop him from getting three points, he could just chuck the ball in and get two because he's so high up in the air, it's going to be hard for them to stop. He seems to be able to elevate higher than the stopper. Sorry, elevate higher than offensive players from a defensive setting. Again, he's the stopper. He's supposed to be making blocks. And there's a couple of highlights where and maybe this is a mistake on the offensive player's part, but they go from side tramp to back tramp and then go straight up. And because of when they've jumped, Keenan Love is coming up after, but he goes higher and is just swatting the ball away. So he seems to elevate like further up than offensive players. That being said, if the offensive player gets the run up and just goes from the first tramp in, instead of trying to do two tramps, um, he might struggle, but we'll have to wait and see. There's just not much about him uh, on, on his social media. I, I scrolled back as far as 2014 
and I didn't want to scroll any further back because I was starting to feel a bit weird. Uh, and I couldn't see anything. The other problem is that Love Island currently has a contestant called Keenan who played uh, rugby league. So if I'm trying to find like Keenan Love football, it's like, oh, Keenan Love Island rugby football. And I'm like, no, not that. So it's hard to find anything. But what you do find when you go further back is he's done a lot of kickboxing in MMA. Played for Team Love, which I like. Go Team Love. Um, the biggest thing that tells you is he's unafraid of contact. He's not afraid of getting hit in the face, in the body, taking that contact. Another stopper on this team who is going to embrace the physicality of their position and embrace the the contact that comes with it. And that's all you can say Like is a good sign defensively. The seventh round pick, the last overall, or the last pick the Ozone took, was Donovan Bird, 24 years old from Gainesville, Florida. He's six foot six, 200 pounds, and their third stopper. Right, Three out of seven players, stoppers. He is the other son of George Bird in this league. We talked about Deontay Bird the other day, who's representing the mob. Like Deontay, Donovan went to Santa Fe High School, where he was a varsity athlete in both basketball and football, and received first-team All-State and first-team All-District for basketball. So he's got some basketball skill. You can see that later on because there was... One news article about how he'd performed in the first round of the like the the knockout stages of the basketball league that season, where he had twenty points and fifteen rebounds as a centre. So he's he's adept at basketball, but those are the only stats I can find on him, unfortunately. So I can't take you down like a rabbit hole of he was good at this, and he was good at that, and he can do this, and he can shoot, and he can. I can't even find highlights of him playing basketball. So I don't know. But the numbers are, those, that one, the tiniest of sample, one game, and I don't even know the percentages, is good. Uh, he's a physical guy. How do I know he's physical? Because there are highlights of his time playing football for Santa Fe High School. And they're from the app Huddle, which I love Huddle. Didn't know Huddle existed until I started looking into these players and they just upload their clips. And what do the clips tell me about Donovan Bird? All of his clips involve him hitting someone. Or catching the ball as a, as a wide receiver and, and running a bit and then getting tackled. He's not running the length of the field, but he is able to catch the ball because he's bigger than everyone. He loves contact, man. There was a seven-minute highlight video, and there were plays that were being shown where he wasn't involved in the play. He's on the offensive end. He's not blocking for a runner. But he's just hitting the other guy. He's showing off the fact that he loves taking contact. There was one basketball highlight. He took a charge. That's another really physical thing. That's willingness to get hit. Willingness to take contact. Willingness to go down for the sake of the defense. Really good sign. He's fighting everyone on the football field. He's fighting through tackles as a receiver. He's blocking on the offensive end. He's actively going after contact. Actively going after physicality against everyone he comes up against. Maybe that's just high school. Maybe he's grown out of it. That's a good sign. That's your third stopper that wants to take contact and is happy to take contact at the rim. The concerning part with Donovan Bird is, is that an attitude issue? If he's constantly going at guys, going at guys smaller than him even, and, and being really physical, if, that, if he left that in high school, fine. If that's continued into his time after high school, that could be a concern. Why could that be a concern? Well, because you only get three fouls in a game. And he is your seventh man, so you're not as concerned about this, but you don't want a guy to foul out. You only get three fouls. You've got to pay attention to how you're hitting offensive players when you're a defensive player, especially out in the floor. Stopper less concerned, but if they're playing around the back end of the rim um, and he's being asked to make tackles rather than stops and blocks, could be a concern. 
But I'm going to make a comparison to Sean Inches Jackson, who played pro slam ball earlier on. Um, and there was a couple of times where they talked about the fact that his attitude and his sense of aggression really damaged his team, including just making a really bad tackle out of frustration on, on Lu Feng in the 2016 China series that could have ended in a bad injury, at least ended in his team giving up six points. So... I'm nervous about that. I like the physicality. I'm nervous about how much he loves it. In terms of coaching for the Ozone, we have head coach Trevor the Eagle Anderson, former slam ball MVP and champion in 2012. He also started playing in 2003. He is a guy who's really good in the air, hence named the Eagle. He was, at, at, in 2003, one of the highest leaping players. But what I like when you look at what he's putting out on Instagram, first of all, is love for the sport. He said this is a sport that is his favourite thing to play, which is great. But he also talks about the strategy of there's a time to jump high and to gun it over a guy. And there's a time to jump low and fast and get around a stopper who's still in the air by being to the basket before they can get back up. Timing it right so that as they're going down, you're going like at an angle. You're going at an angle, like a 45 degree angle straight to the hoop. I like that in terms of coaching young players how to think. If these guys aren't able to shoot threes, which I want teams to be able to do, if they're not as physical offensively as they are defensively, you need someone like Trevor Anderson who's going to teach them the thought process, the fundamentals, the logic of when to jump and how to jump to maximize the timing. And that's a really good guy to have as your head coach. You also have Gennaro Hemphill. He played in the 2016 China Series, which I believe was his rookie year, his first time. So he isn't as experienced, but he clearly loves the game if he's back. In that season, he had a game where he got injured in the first half and came back to basically be the MVP of that game, scoring a bunch of points and being very physical on the offensive end. So if you've got a guy that's willing to show the grit and determination to fight through pain as your assistant coach, that's someone that you want that can give heart, heart to this Ozone roster. We now get to the projected starters for the Ozone. Stopper is Vincent Bowman. You took him in the third round. He's the heaviest guy. He's the tallest guy. He's the most physical guy in the league, probably. I think that's obvious choice. Handler, I'm going with Brian Bell Anderson, and I'm putting Keith McGee as your second gunner with Marcus Gray. I don't know. I genuinely don't know, because I think Keith McGee is going to be playing both positions either way, uh, because... You've only got you've got two gunners, you've got two handlers. So you'd rather like go hard on gunners in any other position because typically standard slam ball, you've got two of them on the court at any one time. So that's why I think McGee is going to be able to do both because I think he's going to have to be he's going to have to take over for Brian Bell Anderson and distributing the ball at certain points. But I also think he's going to have to play gunner minutes and score a lot, which is why I think he's going to start at Gunner. You don't draft a guy in your second round and then don't play him. But you don't draft a guy in the first round for a specific position and then put him in a different position. And I don't think Bell Anderson can play Gunner. I do think Keith McGee can. So, stopper Vincent Bowman, handler Brian Bell Anderson, Gunner Keith McGee, should be a handler playing him at Gunner, and Marcus Gray is the other Gunner. Apologies for the photo I've used. You don't have one on the Slam Ball page yet. You're also apparently called Jordan Jones. 
Mm. Um, fifth man. I'm struggling because I, I want to say Q Cotton. I want to say Laquavius Q Cotton. Instead, I'm saying Keenan Love or Donovan Bird. Because with three stoppers and with a sport where stoppers are taking the bulk of physicality, again, 40, 50 hits a night, it's really handy to be able to rotate in and out. And they've got three guys who love physicality, three guys who are happy to take contact, three guys who can just rotate so that whenever one of them's getting tired, they call sub, throw in the other guy, no, like, strength lost on the defensive end underneath the basket. So I think it'll be one of those two guys as your fifth man, and then the other guy is also taking minutes and they're rotating that, that stopper position. But of everyone on this team, and maybe it's because there's a bigger sample size for him, I think Hugh Cotton could be, like, the all-star from this team. Like, he's the potential all-star. And... I just don't think he's... I think it, that that's going to depend if he gets the minutes. If he's a starter, if, the, if they move around their, their roster and say they're starting him and Keith McGee's coming off the bench, which would be weird given draft order then he could excel and he could be an all-star. But if he's coming off the bench, I think it's unlikely. And I do think, looking at the draft order, looking at the structure of the team, I do think he's coming off the bench. We now get to the strengths and weaknesses of the Ozone. In terms of weaknesses, there's no three-point shooting. Q Cotton's really good as an option, but his last set of stats were weak at 24%, still higher than some players. And he's coming off the bench, and I don't know if he'll be able to hit from the four-point line. Keith McGee is another solid option, but again, not sure about the fourth point, four point line, not sure if he's someone that you want to be giving the ball to, okay? And then I don't have numbers for other people like Marcus Gray, who looks like he's comfortable shooting the three, but it, it doesn't look like he's comfortable with that distance. He's happy to take it, but he's not comfortable with the distance, and we don't have numbers to back that up, okay? So no three-point shooting. There's no... Pure point guard from basketball, which is the main handling position, and there's no QBs or anyone that apparently played quarterback in high school, right, at the handler position. That's what I'm looking for in terms of a clear sign that they are a distributor. Either that or ridiculously high assist numbers for someone that would typically be in charge of scoring the ball a lot, okay? Without that on your team, I don't know what the distribution is going to be like for the Ozone on the offensive end, Okay. And with both of those, with no three-point shooting and with a lack of distribution comes the third weakness, which is just poor spacing, right? Combine both those things. Offensively, I think their main aim is just going to be running gun at the basket. They could have some nice plays built around using the island and cutting it off of that, but we'll have to um, wait and see what their offense looks like. Their strengths. This is going to be the defensive powerhouse of the league, in my estimation. Rotating the stopper position as one gets tired, bringing in a fresher one, that is incredible. That is an, a, a wonderful thing to have. Again, I'd, I'd usually go more gunners than any other position, but stopper is the most important position in slam ball. And if you're able to rotate and keep everybody fresh, that's just a really good sign. There's old games where a stopper is really good in the first half and then they get burnt out by the second. I think actually uh, Donovan's dad, George Bird, has a couple of games like that where he's really, really good for one half of slam ball and in the second half he's just taking so many hits that it's hard to keep up with everything. And that's that's not what you want. And being able to rotate that position is, is a, a good way of avoiding that. 
The other thing that makes them a defensive juggernaut is physical players. Again, Vincent Bowman at stopper wants to take contact. Marcus Gray at handler wants to hit people. What? Sorry, Marcus Gray at, at, at gunner wants to hit people. Donovan Bird at stopper, very aggressive. This is a big team. Not necessarily in size, a big team in physicality. And that's going to do them a lot. They've also got length in terms of Q Cotton. I don't see his aggression. He seems like a skinnier guy. He doesn't seem as one someone that's as comfortable taking the contact defensively. But he's long, and that's going to be difficult for offensive players to get around, perhaps. And then you've just got a lot of guys who who have done some sort of defensive football in their in their career. Again, Brian Bell Anderson, Marcus Gray, two guys who who played a defensive-minded position in football and got a lot of tackles out of it. Okay, Marcus Gray could be an insane defensive juggernaut for this team alongside Bowman. I think it's going to be really hard for teams to score on this franchise. And that same size, that same aggression, translates offensively. Again, that's, that's the strength. What they lack in spacing, they make up for in sheer determination to charge at the basket and to try and hit. Uh, defensive players and just try and make contact and get dunks and score and that's a good sign for this team offensively that's their good sign offensively but at the end of this review for the Ozone and the 2023 season of Slam Ball my biggest thing by far they're just a defensive juggernaut they're just these guys are going to be this is the defensive team to watch this season. If you like to see steals and tackles and hard hits, watch the Ozone. If you like all those things, plus dunks, plus incredible action, plus fun, plus excitement, plus, 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 get ESPN+. Plus. July 21st, Slam Ball returns. Las Vegas, Nevada on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN+. Plus For a six-week season, get excited. Slam Ball is back. And uh, Bounce Off will be back throughout the week. We've got three more previews to do for teams, two more coming this week, one more next week, and there's a lot of other content that's going to come as we ramp up to the 2023 season on the 21st of July. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, watch highlights of Slam Ball on YouTube. Have a beautiful day. Goodbye.